everybody. Welcome back to Hotline Monday. It's Hotline Monday for the 25th of uh, April 2016. I'm Scott Johnson with Brian. Brian. Justin Robert Young. Brian Justin Robert Young. Come on, tell me you got a nickname with don't, Brian in it. Don't, I, I'm not going to allow you to get through with that. You, <sighs> can't, just, you can't just write off Brian. <laughs> For the I, second week in a row. I talk to him every day for like five episodes a week. And, and it's, so do I. It's like, so don't hard. act like I don't have a Brian that I talk to all the time, man. Like there's <laughs> there's, there's no excuse. I'm not going to let you off the hook. All right. Moving. I, how do I make amends? I have to make amends, though. So how do I do it? What do I do to, to, to show my, my fealty? What do I do? How about you just go ahead and give out the number that everybody can call on? All right. 801-895-4724. That's 801-895-I-RAGE. This gets you into the show. This show's all about you being live on the show. We talk about nerdy topics. We spoil some stuff. We talk about some stuff. We'll give you lots of warning for spoilers, so don't worry about that. That comes late in the show. Uh, but we want you to be a participant in today's conversation like this little tidbit here, Justin. Let's kick it off because we have a full show. What do we want people to do? They got to dig back into their brains and find some early childhood trauma. So uh, a lot of people saw the, the the season premiere of Game of Thrones last night, yeah. uh, and we will talk about that in spoiler depth at the end of this program. So don't worry if you haven't seen it. But uh, without spoilers, I will say that there was a moment in which uh, I had a friend of mine call me and say, hey, listen, they have had uh, infanticide incest uh, uh brutal murders by characters both sympathetic and non uh, uh, uh people who deserve to die dying people who didn't deserve to die dying but yet the last images of the of the episode last night had finally crossed a line uh and so what what it got me thinking was moments where you were just terrified and scarred for life yeah in film and TV. Yeah. Like, like as we all have them, mm -hmm. some of them are innocuous. They just stick with us. Some of them are designed to be mind breaking and earth shattering. Mm -hmm. It can be horror movies. It can be uh suspense. It can be something that might've been in something that was a comedy, a gross out comedy that for whatever reason stuck with you. We want to hear what yours are and we can give ours right now. Scott, mm. what was your thought? Oh, I got a, I got a, I got one that still sticks with me that still freaks me out, and I've, I've mentioned it on other things, so this will not be exclusive to Hotline Monday. However, uh -huh. I think it's the one to, to repeat, or at least one of them. Sure. So when I was probably seven or eight years old, mm -hmm. I had seen a movie from the 70s, which title I still don't know, okay? I realize this might help if people could go find the one I'm talking about, and maybe you can. Someone out there will sleuth this I thing. I hope that the rest of today you have to stay away from your Twitter because it's only just jam-packed with <laughs> gifts of the moment that you are about to talk oh about. Oh, my Lord. I wonder if there are. Okay, so anyways, it's this movie with Elliot Gould, and he's like some kind of, um, uh, I don't know what he is. He's like, a, I, like, the plot points aren't important. What I remember is this. At some point, he had to go get some girl in some apartment. Yeah. And in that apartment was this girl, her furniture, and a big fish tank. Okay. And at some point, don't remember why or what the circumstances were, but at some point he breaks the fish tank or they break the fish tank by scuffling. They're kind of having a, a wrestling fight in the in this room. Yeah. The tank breaks, water goes everywhere, fish are everywhere, a few fish are still in the tank. And he grabs her by the hair. Yeah. Pushes her down on the the now sharded out glass kind of opening in the front of the tank that's been broken. Uh-huh. And proceeds to very uh I think grotesquely and slowly in my memory, it's probably a lot different now if I saw it. It's probably dumb if I saw it now. 
Yeah. But, but just grinds her head off until it's just floating in the in what's left of the water with fish floating around her face and her eyes wide open. Cut oh her, my yeah, lord. Severed her head. I never saw anything quite like that before that, or even maybe even since that. It certainly didn't have that kind of impact on me. And it stuck with me for a long time. I had nightmares for weeks. Like, don't kid yourselves out there if you think kids aren't affected by that kind of stuff before the proper maturity sets in. Because sure. it will jack you up, man. And still to this day, I don't I don't know that I could watch it. Maybe I could now. I mean, but that's that's an example of you as a kid. And this is, I think, where we're going to find the most fertile memories is yeah. when you were kind of what, 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 what they say is like, you know, you know enough to be dangerous. Yeah. You know, like people who are totally incompetent can't really screw a whole lot up because I don't even know where the levers are. And people who are really experienced are going to do a good job. But it's just the people who know which levers might blow up the entire power plant. Like those are the people you got to worry about. And I think maturity wise, that's where you were. Yeah. Probably you knew enough that like blood is pain mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, uh, violence is, is something that happens. And so you were just you just wound up getting a crash course in it before you would uh, have the knowledge of the tropes of either you know this whatever violent movie this was to know like oh wait that's a scuffle it could end very poorly and I need to gird myself for <laughs> for something that might be uh, excruciatingly painful. It made it worse too that further in his career, so we're talking like Devil and Max Devlin, or even more recently Friends in the '90s. He shows up as uh, I want to say he's Rachel's dad. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's Ross and what's her name's dad. Yeah, I can't remember. But he would show up on you know in the apartment, and it's all laughs and giggles on the set. But I'm sitting there going, nope, I saw you grind a lady's head off with a freaking half a fish tank. I believe the movie that you are looking for is the 1978 uh, drama The Silent Partner. Oh my lord, that's probably it. Elliot Gould playing Miles Cullen. I made a commitment or I, I had sort of committed to myself did that I would have... John Candy in it? Uh, I don't know, did it? Well, this I, movie did. I was seven or eight, so I don't know. Like, yeah. He may he may not have had the cachet that John Candy would have later in his life. All right, I want to hear yours, but before we do, we're already getting flooded with calls, so I'm going to take oh, one of go. these. Let's take some calls. All right, you're on the air. Who's this? Oh, we lost him. Oh, there he is. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Zoe Kraken again. Hey, man, tell us about uh, a, a bad moment in your life. Uh, well, I think, I don't know if it was really a bad moment for me, but I think one that really sticks with a lot of people is John Hurt on the table in um, Alien. Oh, when he got that, when the alien popped out of his yeah, gut. Yeah, the old, the, the old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty hard. I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm with him on that one. Like I remember. So now, here, here's a question. Yeah. If they are iconic like that, does the healing go faster or slower? Because on one hand, you're seeing this over and over and over again. The chestbuster scene in Alien, something that went far beyond, you know, even science fiction, became a pop culture idea because mm -hmm. that that movie was so popular and that scene so popular within it uh but then again like it was something like this where you don't even know the name you just know that there was some grotesquerie mm -hmm. that you saw on screen now it's almost a silent shame you can't walk up to somebody at a Publix and be like hey remember that time that that famous thing happened like <laughs> i was so freaked out oh really me too <laughs> like that's a conversation you're never gonna have because that is a private secret horror box yeah yeah and it was at a friend's house i wasn't supposed to be there i don't know why that was on it was on some cable thing we didn't even have cable at my house so this seemed like real dirty stuff uh we got another caller on the line who just hung up never mind they're gone they were here all right justin lay it on me give me one i can't be the only one here suffering under childhood trauma 
So I, I feel like this one stuck with me and I was initially horrified and then it went on to become one of my favorite kind of moments ever. All right. And it was the moment that Marvin gets his head blown off in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> now, but I was a little older. Yeah, I was going to say, you're like... Me at like 13. Okay, all right. right. Oh, actually, no, no, here. Actually, no, this is the first one. This is, this is the one that actually terrified me. All right. The scene in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The melty face? The melty face. Oh, the melty face is a good one. Melty face got me, as did the uh, the rapid aging of Donovan in Last Crusade. Yeah. I remember being scared to rewatch Last Crusade. <laughs> Uh, with a friend of mine, we like we were like having a sleepover or whatever. God, I can't. I don't know how old I was. I would have to be around eight or nine, and uh, young we were, and impressionable like, for sure. We were all we were playing Mario and stuff like that. It was mm -hmm. a great time, man. We were just two '80s, early '90s kids having a real blast uh, going to Round Table Pizza, and then oh yum. I knew the scene was coming. I had seen it in theaters and was terrified by it. But I, I just, I think I might have even made up an excuse to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Being afraid for the fact that, uh, that, it, was, that it was coming. And, and you, so wait, you went in the bathroom, hid from it. It happened. What do you find out later that it was not that bad? Like, I mean, what's the aftermath of that? Do people make oh, no, fun no, of no. you? Oh, no, no, this was all, I lied. I was lying. I, I just got to go. I got to go. Oh, you want me to pause it? No, no, no. I've seen it. I, I've seen it. It's fine. It's awesome. fine. It's fine. Awesome. And so they came back and I'm like, I, you know, no one needs to know. No one needs to know about my shame. Mm. I aged my shame for three decades. And now <laughs> here I am giving it to you on the Internet. Good. Uh, we got a caller on the line. Who's this waiting so patiently? Hey, guys, it's Gabe. Hey, Gabe, what's going on, man? What's your okay. uh, what's the most shocking thing that you know, freaked you out when you were a kid? All right, so last summer I went on a road trip from San Antonio to Louisiana, and all I could think of was that scene in the 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm -hmm. where they're all having that family dinner, and you see the she runs away, and she gets to that grandpa mm -hmm. where she's wait, he's waiting, and then he starts sucking on her fingers, and uh, it just freaks me out. Like, Yeah, did you you didn't run into any trouble on your your trip, right? You just kind of worried about it when you drove through there. Yeah, just like but that's all that came to my head was that the whole movie actually just, yeah, I mean, but that scene particularly just gives me goosebumps. Something about seventies era horror movies in general, Justin, that are just uh, they'll take. Well, a hold they were of your... very, very visceral. The other thing about uh, you know, I, I've having driven. It was not too long ago either. It was maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago. I drove from Austin to Houston. Yeah, pre sunup, so the sun was kind of coming up on these very rural. There are a few rural Texas roads before you get to the highways between Austin and Houston. And like, for whatever reason, it's like, it just looks like a 70s horror movie. Like, it, like it looks like Texas Chainsaw, Ma Chainsaw Massacre. Just like the color palette and it just feels kind of muted. Mm -hmm. Like, it, 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 it just feels like 70s film stock. And, and I'm totally with Gabe, man. Like, when you have not driven in, in, in rural Texas before. And I'm sure that this is similar to driving in rural Tennessee or Alabama or whatever. Right. Sure. But like, uh, but that there is just that idea that like, man, someone's going to put down a rumble strip 
and my car is going to be screwed. And next thing you know, this is just like how this one town uh, has their own secret shame of murdering a tourist uh, once every five years for the crops. Yep, that sounds about right. We got another caller on the line. What's your uh, what's your big thing that stuck out and still sticks out for you? Well, it's this movie called The Dog Who Stopped the War. It was a movie about these two kid gangs that made these elaborate snow forts, mm-hmm. and they and they had this Saint Bernard dog that would like help them out. Well, one of the forts tips over on top of the dog, and then they find the dog buried dead in the snow pile. Oh my gosh. I like the, oh, that's the fur that's and being traumatized by it. How, wait, how old were you at the, at the time that you saw this? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like eight or nine. And it was actually, I was looking it up before I called and it was actually a French movie. Oh, so I don't man. even know how we got a hold of such a thing. But, <laughs> I don't either, man. Now, the French movie showing up in the house is, is also a weird occurrence, but Justin, it seems like eight or nine, seven, eight, nine. These are the ages where things go, go wild. Uh, I, I, is that it? Is that is that just the sweet spot where where you know uh, things? I mean, I guess is that like you're just dangerous enough? Like you know enough to be dangerous? You know enough to really terrify you, but you don't have the guile to protect yourself. I think like, it's like what what is the difference? Is I think the most impressionable age by 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 there, well there may be some science behind this, and I'm spurting this out like nothing. I bet my sister even knows, but my guess is if you took like seven to ten. Somewhere in there is where most of our neural pathways are being cemented. Uh, kind of who we are going to be, for good or ill, is being laid down like foundation. And when we see stuff, we are at our most hypersensitive, where that stuff locks in. And, you know, perhaps the turning point for th- that kind of innocence where, you know, you never thought you'd see somebody do anything to anyone with a fish tank you know, let alone something that violent and you, and it's, it's just, it's in there for good. I yeah, get, you want to know what I, I, I almost feel like it is just an element of us not knowing the formula that mm. I'm sure that there's some Scandinavian country that they just in, in, in third grade, they explain the tropes of every type of story. Right. And, mm-hmm. and when they get to the horror movie, they, they explain like, okay, well, this is why isolation is found to be scary. And this is why these characters that are virtuous live longer than the ones that have sin in their lives. And then, uh, you know, when, when, uh, the violent element comes, you, uh, as a creator, think of the most imaginative way that somebody can pass on like grandma. Yes. Like grandma, <laughs> but, uh, but, but in, in a different way. And so if those kids were to watch those movies, yeah. they would look at it in a different way. Yeah. I it could, wouldn't be the same thing. I could, I, I, there's something to that. Uh, caller, do you agree? And do you have a shocking moment you'd like to mention? Well, I can't agree because of the leg. <laughs> But uh, I do have a shocking moment. Okay. I remember uh, the head in the boat in Jaws. Oh, yeah, dude. That's a good one, too. I mean, I was under the coat, you know? <laughs> and then when you see it on TV later, you know, a few years later, it's like, oh, it looks fake. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. no, that's, okay, so but that's you bring this, up a good point. Just, just the shark. Just just the shark itself. Yeah, the shark head he's talking about. Just like, yeah. it's you, here's what I think it is. I think that we are we have a harder time at that age separating what is being portrayed. We know it's a movie, right? We know this isn't really happening. I don't th- yeah. I don't think too many eight year olds are going, oh yeah, this is real. It's a documentary. Uh, boy, that shark head must have been a real sad shark that day or whatever. I don't yeah. think anybody's thinking that way as they're seeing it. But what I think is happening is it's showing things that are so 
devastatingly real looking to your young eyes, the effect it the effect it has it almost just doesn't matter whether it's real or it isn't real. I, again, me spouting stuff off without having any science for this, but I can tell you that you know when my kids were little, Nick play. I remember. Okay, here's a good example. Nick and I playing a video game on the Wii. He's six years old, and mm-hmm. we're playing a game called Surgeon Simulator. I think or no 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 that's new. Uh, it was like that though, where you were like simulating. <laughs> it was where you were like big cartoon bodies and it had like glass shards in it. And you'd go in with the Wiimote and cut out the shards and remove these little bits and sew them back up. And it was very cartoony and goofy. There was nothing about it that like, you know, yelled realism or gore or anything, but it really bugged him. And I didn't know it until sometime later where anytime you'd even suggest the idea that there was maybe uh, a picture of somebody's bones or an x-ray or, um, you know, somebody having their arm cut open or anything like that at all. Complete shutdown. He'd get all freaked out, cry about it. It was all because of this video game. Well, there's something about that, right? He knows it's a video game, but there's part of his brain that says it doesn't matter. I'm seeing something terrible here that I know would cause a bunch of pain and be awful. And I can't distinguish between them because now I didn't Who cares. Nick does see stuff like he'll watch Walking Dead and barely lift an eyelid. So, but that, uh, let me let me ask you this question then, like because we look at this as if it's trauma, and it certainly was indeed traumatic. But I don't know if it was trauma in that it was something that damaged us. Right. I think it's just that moment where you have to fall down and skin your knee to understand what balance means. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like like that that almost having these moments, no matter how much even today we viscerally remember them as horrible elements of our childhood they went on to kind of not only teach us more about fiction and more to teach us about what's real and what's not, but also to teach us more about like how horrible we should feel if somebody's getting butchered, right? (laughs) How bad we should feel if somebody's being horrifying and creepy around us. And those are very important survival traits that we all should have. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I actually, so, so on the other side of this, I can say as the father of both the six year old who was terrorized by these images and the 15-year-old who has now grown out of that, there's no long-lasting anything. He's a sweet kid who's who's very um, empathetic towards others and wants to help people. And, you know, there's no there's no long-term damage. Now, somebody going to experience that at some point? Are there certain personalities that are prone to it? And are there certain individuals who see one thing and that's it? They're done for good? Probably. There's always outliers. But generally speaking, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Who's this, please? Hi, this is Andrew from Florida. Hey, man, what's going on? America's Wang, always representing. Let's uh, give us an example of something that stuck with you for a while. So mine's kind of funny. Is uh, actually the movie Troll Two. I saw it when I was like four or five years old, and when I was a kid, like stuck with me for years. Like, so that's the really bad. On. That's the really horrible one that was filmed here in, uh, in Utah. The one that has um, uh, the the kid and the car and the trip in the car and the parents and and all that stuff, right? Am I thinking of the right one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like when you guys covered it on film sack, I yeah. rewatched it. I'm like, man, how did this ever <laughs> impact me at all? So. Well, this 1990s Troll Two yeah. which, uh, was the subject of the documentary Best Worst Movie. Yeah, which is great, by the way. Really, really good. Yeah. Um, I think it premiered in the Alamo Draft House in Austin actually because it was that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, all these years. Okay, so here's a good question. Is it therapy for us as adults who still remember these freaky things? Would it be therapy for me to watch the Elliot Gould movie and realize how silly, stupid, bad production, it doesn't hold up, blah, 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 all that stuff to, re- to relieve myself from this 
this moment that is still pretty vivid for me. Like, I don't want to see that again, but I've seen a billion things worse since. Like, I see stuff on, I don't know, any given TV. I saw stuff on break, or on uh, the Game of Thrones last night that is, that's more bloody and violent than that. Yeah, and that was, like, perpetrated by heroes. <laughs> right. <laughs> by people I'm supposed to root for. I mean, that you were. You're like, yay, cut his head <laughs> off. <laughs> It's such a uh, weird yeah, thing. no, absolutely. And I think you should watch it. But I don't know. Uh, caller, what do you think? Hello? I'm not watching Troll 2? Yeah, or, or, <laughs> or whatever, or whatever, uh, whatever never, freaks you I out, man. Well, this is Blinky from Plumpet, guys. Um, I'll tell you, have you ever seen Fire in the Sky? Yeah, the, the, that, uh, in, the, in the alien movie, right? Sure. The alien movie. Okay, so I'm a young kid, and the whole movie is about, so it's supposedly based on a true story. There's one guy said it happened to him. But the guy wakes up in a spaceship, like puts his hand in the decomposition of some other person abducted, and then gets put on a table where they cover him and like saran wrap, and then start like cutting into his face. Yeah. And like I, I don't even go in the country anymore. That movie scared me so bad. Like, it, it, I. Ooh, yeah, terrifying. it's a bad one. It's a bad one. That one had the T one thousand in it. By the way, Robert Patrick was in that. Um, See, the, he wasn't the dude who got snatched. Was no, no, he? no. He was the friend that was backing him up, trying to. Well, I can't remember if he was like thinking his friend was a liar or if he was trying to help him. I remember, for whatever reason, I feel like I remember Fire in the Sky being a more popular movie than it really was. Yeah, I think it was like, kind of small because it very much hit that zeitgeist. Like, where was it in in relation to X Files? Oh, it had to have been in the era. It Fire had, in the Sky was ninety three. Yeah, and you had X Files ninety. Files was ninety three. Yeah. So it's like. That was like, man, that was a hot year for alien abduction, man. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was like it was like the world knew that we were getting digital cameras. And yep. it's like, man, we only got <laughs> we we gotta get strike while the iron's hot on this alien abduction <laughs> stuff. Well the good the good uh, thing is watched it more recently, probably in the last couple of years. I don't remember when I did, but it held up, looks pretty good. And the scene he's referring to, the actual abduction scene as told by this character, is pretty intense. There is nothing small minded about it. It's pretty well done. Uh, yeah. who's on the line right now? Who we got here? Uh, hello, this is Beck Simmons. Well, I'm calling from you know, California. Hey man, it's good to have you here. Fresno, home of the Brazens or whatever you guys do there, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I kind of, uh, identify with jury in that, uh, I remember that scene from Indiana Jones when I was little. Um, and, uh, actually my first thought, I was laughing and I think it was because I was so uncomfortable, I didn't know what to do with myself. Hmm. That's interesting. Which so you like the face melting scene? That one. Yeah, yeah that, that one. That's interesting. Uh, That's interesting that you laughed. Like what? Like your reactions when you're young. Sometimes you don't know the appropriate response. Sometimes yeah. it's just sit there and take it. Sometimes it's laugh your head off. Sometimes it's cry and go in the other room like Jerry did or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the answer I, I is. Am, I am to this day kind of a sissy when it comes to horror. Hmm. Like, I, 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 I will I will pretty much only go see a horror movie if I am told that it is a good, important movie that I need to see. Real quick, Robert Lieberman hmm. directed Fire in the Sky. Yeah. The next movie that he did, yeah. D3, The Mighty Ducks Are Back. <laughs> Yeah. Holy shit. Back to back. Okay, what after that? That's guy the... and D3, the Mighty Ducks are back. Did he go on to any other renown? Was that it? Uh, a, a, a prolific TV director. He's still directing uh, uh, TV right now, directing uh, 
Houdini and Doyle, the forthcoming TV miniseries, mm-hmm. uh, directed some of The Expanse. Oh, I love that show. Falling Skies, Ascension, Haven, Criminal Minds, The Listener. Man, dude's getting work. All right. Well, keep keep on going there. I bet that Ducks thing didn't slow you down, sounds like. Uh, hey, man, I was I, I dug all the... That was, that, that's a solid trilogy. Yeah. The Emilio Estevez joint, all that stuff. Hell yeah, Gordon Bombay. That's right. Uh, hi, you're on the line. Who's this? Uh, this is Samuel, TSCN Sam in the chat room. Hey, man, nice to have you uh, on. Uh, What's up? Um, the, the, there was one moment that I, because I kind of had to dig into my head to figure it out. It's not exactly traumatizing to me to where I think about it all the time, but I think it may have affected me a little bit. Right. And it's one of those really crappy horror movies, or at least to me. I was eight. And for some reason, one of my relatives, I think my cousin, was taking care of me. And they watched one of those. I don't know if you remember these, but uh, I know what you did last summer movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you guys remember oh, those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have fond, fond memories of the of the campy cheese in those movies. Yeah, but there, it, it, I think it might have been the second one. But there was this one scene where one of the guys still got killed. And he was... Mm-hmm. Is that the one still know what you did? That's probably yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, still yeah, I think I think it is. Yeah. Um, but it was this guy had gotten killed and he was put in a closet. And for some reason, the killer decided to hang him on this meat hook in the closet. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and, that'll stick with you too, won't it? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so for some reason, I don't know why, but that has always kind of stuck with me as my bleh like moment. St- stuck when right it comes in his back, just like right in the center of his back. Justin, just that's where it sticks. Uh, yeah, no, that's a common. That, listen, I'm with this guy. I've seen multiple movies. There's one called My Bloody Valentine, real old one. Yeah. Uh, that has somebody getting hung somewhere on a hook. Not my favorite way to go, man. It's nasty, nasty. That was that was a, a, an interesting. So Scream really kind of rebooted at least the studio's interest in doing slasher movies with pretty young things. Yeah. And. Uh, and yeah, no, they all had to have for whatever reason in the nineties. Uh, well, I guess in, in in the eighties too. In slasher, slasher movies have always had a fetishizing of the weapon of the killer. Yep. You know, whether it be exotic like the Freddy Krueger gloves or whatever, uh, and then Scream just kind of had more the mask. But this one got back to it. I still know what you did last summer. Had the the fisherman's hook for whatever reason. <laughs> As the uh, the the murder weapon of choice, I like that. I'm I'm kind of a fan of them now. I like a dumb slasher now because I like to see. All right, who's going first? Who do I like the least? I'll bet that guy's going next. Like I, there's there's fun in the structure of those things. But when you're a kid, holy crap, it's different. All right, we got a caller on the line. What's your uh, what's your thoughts? What you thinking? All right, I got one from when I was real little. The Lion King. I oh. still can't watch the Mufasa death scene, like, even <laughs> oh as an adult. God. Yes! <laughs> That's Man, a good thanks. one. Uh, caller, what's your name? Uh, this is Stephanie, your musical chemist in the tadpole. Steph, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so so thank you so much for calling in, because everybody else is is has got their own, like, I watched a dude get his eyeball squeezed out into a glass, and then a little dog had to drink it. No, no, no. <laughs> Keep it 100. Mufasa dying scarred your childhood and yeah. i use that pun literally because of who killed him that's right it is a pretty hard it's hardcore man what he had what happens there is freaking hardcore like it is straight up blood stare me in the eyes murder yeah it's brother on brother violence like no no other form of entertainment has matched in my opinion oh like, man this could be almost its own episode because now people are yelling in the chat room like old yeller just children's movies that weren't <laughs> supposed to scar you <laughs> 
Like, like what was, although Old Yeller, I guess, gets the, the, a rep as being like a, a big, memorable, like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened sort of moment, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I've ever, I mean, I was, I think I was even too young to remember what Old Yeller was even about or what happened in it when I first saw it, but uh, that was like my bro- my older brother's kind of, um, what's it, what do you compare it to today? Well, it was like his Lion King. Like, that was his, that was the movie you went to and felt real bad in. And cried even though it was general audiences and or I guess it was probably PG, wasn't it? They probably rated that a little lower than than the others, but who knows? All uh, right, well here we can probably take one or two more calls on this. Then we're gonna move into Captain America Civil War over under. But I do want to prepare people. Get your Game of Thrones takes ready because we're gonna take as many Game of Thrones calls as we can after we do the over under for Civil War. But we'll start here. Uh, we're still talking about our scar your childhood moments in TV and film. Caller, what was yours? Oh, this is Chris and KC. Hey, the bees coming out of Candyman's mouth. Yes! Candyman. That's, uh, oh. Uh. oh, I'm with you, dude. 150%. We did. We covered that movie on Film Sack, and that uh, it's still... So here's one where I thought I would be over it. Uh-uh. Freaking bees, dude. No bees coming out of people's mouth, please. That is a freaking freaky idea. It's a bad idea. Uh, terrible design choice. Like, everything about it sucks you shouldn't have bees coming out of your mouth and not just bees angry bees bees that want to sting you and kill you that is a bad that movie's still pretty pretty weird uh even even in 2016 oh man yeah no clive barker's uh candy man of course known uh for being i don't know if it was the first uh like monster movie like that with a with a black villain yeah i, don't, I think it and, may have been and one of them one of the only who else is there I can't think of another one. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Otherwise, it's just creepy white people. They broke, they broke ground and then left it. <laughs> like yeah. Nobody wanted to go back. Um, yeah, also, I can't see that guy in other movies without freaking out or TV shows without thinking, oh, no, it's the Candyman. And also... Tony uh, Todd. Oh, yeah. And he he's in the episode of DS9 when he plays old Jake, and I, I can't do it. He's also... Uh, or the other problem I have with Clive Barker is they made Hellraiser, and Hellraiser still freaks me out to this day. Hellraiser really, really got under my skin. And stayed there. And that was like teenager when I saw that. And still. By the way, Tony Todd, uh, work it, man. This Is guy it? has got a hell of an IMDb, man. They're going to need to get some new bandwidth just to just to keep this page up. Sweet. Uh, caller, you're on the line. What was your, what's your name and what's your uh, freaky moment that you can't get out of your head? Uh, well, this is the Oak Dragon. And hey, Oak going Dragon. on the um, idea of the, uh, of um, Lion King, I would say Bambi. When he's told your mother can't be with you anymore, oh. that was what. That's hardcore. It was hardcore, dude. That fact maybe the original um, uh, tragic kids movie. If I'm, yeah, uh, that and Old Yeller. Those are your two standards, right? Those are the old ones. Uh well, yeah. I mean, in terms because none of the other Disney movies. When did Disney movies start getting sad? And this is, of course, pre Pixar, which are designed to make you lose lose consciousness because you've cried so much. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm going to say um, uh, 60. I'm going to say somewhere between 63 and 72 is your is your hot bed. Yeah. But even then, it's like, you know, uh, I mean, maybe some of the Disney live action stuff like Old Yeller. But in terms of the animated stuff, you know, you really Bambi's got a really sad moment. But other than that, up until you get to like, you know, Be- uh, Beauty and the Beast isn't mm-hmm. really all that uh like sad. I mean, it's it's sad that the beast is the beast, right? But sure, like, sure. 
It's but it's uh, a sad, it's sad in a kind of general macro way. But in that like Phantom in the Opera, sure. like we don't see the trauma kind of way, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we just know that this dude is screwed up and sad. Maybe um which by the way, get used to it, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be your office mates, so a lot of the half the people you date, like I can't think of when it really turned for him. Maybe that Quasimodo movie, the Hunchback one was No, because Lion King had that big gun. Oh, right, Lion King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Lion um, King's it. Maybe that marks it. 94. Lion King is, is it. Because Aladdin didn't have anything. It's not like we watch like Aladdin's parents get murdered in front of him. You no. know, he's just a jaunty little hobo when, the, when we are introduced. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we'll that, that marks two calls we took uh, and I said we were going to do two. So now we move forward. Yeah. Uh, let's talk no, about. I'm not going to look at Rotten Tomatoes. Have you looked at Rotten I Tomatoes? I haven't looked there at all. Are there already reviews up? Uh, it, I, I don't know, but I don't want to check. I feel like I need to know. I'm not going to look at details. I'm going to sit way back where I can't see it. Hold on. Okay. No, you can't look at the number because the number is what we're looking at. I don't want to see the number. I just want to see if it's up. I want to see if there's anything at all. I can't really see it. Uh, okay. I can see that it's up and I cannot see numbers. Uh, I can tell you it's in the red. There are reviews up. Mullet says there are reviews. Up. Okay. I can trust mullets in the chat room. All right. I can tell that it's red. So that means something over 60 or whatever, right? Okay. Yeah. No. I, what's it? Scott, I told you. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's. Uh, the way that we've done this, we did this with Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Again, the point of an over under is to split the betting. Yeah. So we are going to go back and forth until we are on either side of a number. Right. I'm going to start the line at 85. 85 is the no Okay. All right. Over or under? Uh, over. I go over two. Okay. So 87. Uh, over. I go over two. Okay. 92. Over. 92% positive. I still say over. And this isn't me being excited, even though I am, but I, I actually have a theory for that. 95. 95% positive reviews on the third Captain America sequel. Under. 95, you go under. Yeah. Scott? Yeah. I'm going to go over. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right. Jungle Book's looking at you and saying, what? Come so here. here we go. The the over under is ninety five. Do we we should figure out some kind of stakes to this, right? Yeah, we should have stakes. How do you want to do it? The last time I I won, yeah, on Batman versus Superman because uh, you you need a submarine and a drill bit to figure out where that one landed. Yeah. Uh, what I, do you think? What do you, what do you think our stakes should be? Oh my gosh, it's got to be something meaningful but easy to do. Um. How about I just give you a picture yeah. that relates where one of us will give each other a picture okay. that relates to the movie, hopefully. Okay. All right. It's embarrassing and silly, and we have to post it without context or explanation <laughs> to our Twitter All right. and Instagram. Do you have to do we need prior approval from either of us? No, I mean, listen. It? Understand that we're gonna do this throughout the summer and as long as this podcast goes. So, <laughs> like, if you're if, if if you're trying to drop an atomic bomb on the other one, understand that this might come right back at you. All right, we're gonna have a little samurai code that nobody's going to like. You know, do anything that's going to like get us kicked off the social media platforms. Or How about it has to be embarrassing in the and, and it has to be taken 
at the movie theater itself. In other words, we don't know the over under till all the reviews are in. That could be after our viewing of the film. Yes. But we need to both go. No, I think we can just find a silly photo. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Find yeah. a silly photo. These are good. These are good stakes. No nudity. I'm not pulling my wiener out again. No one's. Yes. No one's going <laughs> to. <laughs> again, anyway. Uh, yes. Um, so, all right. Chat room's throwing all kinds of numbers around where they think. 86 to 87. Uh, we'll put it out to Twitter. Let you guys kind of vote there. No, listen, 95. 90, 95 is the number. So, the yep. the as far as if you are a fan of, of, of the show, all you need to be saying is over or under. Yeah. Justin 95. or Scott. That's it. Yeah. Right. That's that's it. The the line has been set at ninety five percent. Yeah, you can say sixty five all you want, but that isn't going to matter because all you're saying way, is yeah. If you want to make the photoshops that, that that we have to send to each other to to publish, uh, then please go ahead and do it at okay. Justin R Young at Scott Johnson. Yeah, please. And also, the way, all the all, a lot of the chat room right now coming in under. Yeah, they're all coming in. They're all coming in hot, Scott, right here, which is good. I, I listen. I want it to be ninety nine. If I'm telling you my my heart, but I don't. I just, I, I'm 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 very bullish based on the early reviews. I haven't read uh, any. Uh, of by the way, these this is critics. We're looking at critical, uh, uh, the critical review, not the audience review. Right. And we're gonna. And when do we? When do we? When is the time where you say, "All right, enough reviews have been counted." Um. When do we do that? You know, that's that's usually like by the time the movie comes out. Like nobody's reviewing it after the movie actually hits theaters. Okay. Um, none, none of the none of the professional critics, anyway. I suspect it's going to be excellent. I suspect it will make Batman v Superman look like a bad college film, mm-hmm. and I suspect that it will further cement the idea that Marvel Cinematic knows what they're doing, DC Animated knows what they're doing, and that's really the best we're going to get on either side. You're going to get great animated and some TV from DC. You're going to get great cinematic from from Marvel. And they're both kind of shitty at the opposite things. That's my thinking for the next five years. Are you? Oh, I mean, Marvel's good at TV. Yeah, they're okay at TV. They're not. Get, dude, eh, Daredevil? Eh, okay, Daredevil's great. All right, I'll give yeah. them. Okay. Don't, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Netflix. Sorry. No, no. They're great at streaming. I'm not going to I'm not going to vouch for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right. We'll talk. Yeah. Let's say their streaming work pretty impeccable. But I would also say original streaming stuff from D.C. has been really strong, too. But D.C. is really strong in like straight up network programming. They, yeah, the Flash I mean, yeah, is great. I, I mean, I've great. Everybody loves it. Everybody yeah. loves. Uh, what's pa- it called? Part of the reason Flash is so good because it plays like a Marvel movie. Like it's that's the reason it's colorful. It's, it's fun, fun it's and colorful. Around. Yeah. It's all the things that they're missing in their in their cinematic DC stuff. Anyway, we'll find out soon. This is what? Not this weekend. Next weekend. Not this weekend. Next week. We had to do it early, though, because because I, I have a feeling that I mean, I know a lot of the reviews are kind of trickling out already. So, yeah. Friends, we friends we know personally uh, came back glowing. We can just say Jeff Kanata. It's fine. Uh, he's one. I know another one. And they all. They're all yeah. freaking out. I, yeah, there's there's a lot of people that I, I know tangentially that have seen it and uh, were like really up and down. What this probably means for me is two things. One, I love the the, the second movie is my favorite in the in the Marvel movies yet. So it's very possible the third takes top spot for me if it's as good as everyone says. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? It will also oh it'll also surely be the better Avengers film when compared to Ultron. Because that's what you kind of uh, there seems to be two kind of meta uh, themes that are emerging in some of the critical uh, reactions to the film. Yeah. And one of them is, hey, look, it's not 
impossible to do a movie where all the heroes are still heroic and yet they have a reason to fight each other. Yeah. Um, and number two, it's that, oh, man, stuff like this would have been better as an Avengers movie. Yep. <laughs> Fighting a random robot, you know, uh, was not as interesting as maybe we thought it was leaving the theater. Well, and it's basically an Avengers movie in, in a lot of pedantic ways. Like, better Avengers movie. It's yeah. got more and different, better people. Yeah, in, it's got right? more like, Avengers in it. You know, Paul, Paul Rudd is almost made for this movie. A movie where Aunt Paul Rudd as Ant-Man can just kind of pop in, say two really funny Paul Rudd things to make a scene awesome. Yeah. Like, that's perfect. Plus He's he, great yeah. as the fourth most popular uh, superhero in, 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 a, in a scene like that. Spider-Man, who apparently is just amazing. Also, big Spider-Man news this week. Robert Downey Jr. officially signed on to uh, play Tony Stark in the new Spider-Man movie that comes out next year. Wow. Really? Very exciting. Wow, that's different. There must be some bridge here, though, right? Like there well, this is this is the this is basically the deal that has uh that that has been struck between Sony and Marvel, which is that Marvel will run the the script through their writing mill. Uh they will get access to characters that Sony or sorry, that Fox yes, no, Sony, sorry, that Sony owns. Yeah. Uh, when they want to work them into their films that Disney owns. And in exchange for that, uh, Sony gets to keep all the money. Wow. That's an arrangement that really helps Sony. Uh, well, I mean... <laughs> I think it helps everybody. But When Amazing Spider-Man 2 came out, yeah. there was, you know, people got fired in part, well, mostly because of the Sony hack, right? But it's like, I think people were excited... Uh, with the idea that, like, oh, we can also just write off all this Spider-Man universe stuff that we had been obsessing over and talking about forever. And now it's like next year, the most anticipated movie not named Star Wars will be Spider-Man. Got it. And that is all Marvel Sheen on top of it. That's right. Marvel Sheen, the fifth brother you never heard about in the Sheen Estevez family. All right. <laughs> Uh, you got an email from someone who's Asian, which really isn't the, the, the point isn't that they're Asian, but the email has some context if you know they're Asian. Exactly. Uh, share this with us. What the heck is this? This is what I found the best about it, man. There was a great uh, there was a great lead in. I, I can't read this whole email because it was very long, but it was very well written and very informative. Uh, but uh, she ordered it into three different points. I'm going to read the, the first two. But I love that the first one above anything else in this email about our conversation on whitewashing and taking away opportunities for Asian actors in favor of white people. The number one point that you wanted to make was The Last Unicorn. I love that movie. Uh, <laughs> number two, people wanting uh, stuff they don't have. This is a classic theme in many uh, manga, anime, Japanese uh, stuff. Scott mentioned the big guy animation and the huge spiky hair. First off, as a person with squinty eyes, who has told through uh, their whole unfortunate experiences in the Midwest school photos that they were asked to constantly open their eyes every year. Japanese people uh, want what they don't have. They want to have large eyes that people know they are open or closed. Now, some will argue that some Asian people have fairly large eyes. This is true. There are also some Caucasian people that have smaller squinty eyes. On the hair issue, have you seen Japanese hair? Most of it's thick, straight, and doesn't have much body. Another theme, if you want what you can't have, they have characters with gravity-defying designs, body, and lift on a character that is bald. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's a very good point. And then she goes on to talk about uh, how the idea of the uh, main character of Ghost in a Shell yeah. being Japanese is something that is kind of fudgeable considering the point of the movie 
is that the ghosts can inhabit whatever they want. And, and if it doesn't happen to be a Japanese female and it happens to be somebody that looks more like a white person, that, that kind of plugs into some of these themes. Very much appreciate uh, the email. Everybody uh, can email us at... Uh, what, hotline Monday at gmail.com? Hotline Monday at gmail.com. That's hotline Monday at gmail.com. We are more than happy to read your emails uh, when, they when they're appropriate to what we're talking about. If it's just telling us that you think we're hot, well, we'll read those too. Because um, we want to know. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk. Uh, we got TV spoilers to do. Yes. All right. So here we go. Yeah. Folks, if you don't want to be spoiled by Game of Thrones, now's the time to stop the podcast. Now's the time to uh to leave the chat room uh yep. before you do uh know that uh you can follow us justin r young and scott johnson on twitter uh also hotline monday on twitter and of course our hotline number 801-895-4724 that's right uh, any other plugs that you want to get out before we get into our spoiler? oh gosh not really just make sure to go to uh if you want to go to the website and follow the links and the stuff that we have there just go to frogpants.com slash hotline monday other than that there's a million things going on but that's good for now i think oh, oh, oh one one last thing one thing uh frogpants.com slash warcraft is where the details will be for getting your uh seats reserved for the warcraft movie premiere that i'm throwing here in salt lake city it's happening the 11th of june the weekend of the premiere, and uh, all the details will be there. So go there. A, there's a little holder page up now, frogpants.com slash Warcraft. As uh, soon as I get confirmation tonight, I think it is tonight, on on time of day and all that, I'll put it up there. But general information, all that stuff will be there ASAP. So anyway, check that out. All right. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, oh, and you got, uh, you got yeah, anything. No, follow uh, uh, thecontender.us, buy the contender. Uh, and uh, right now there's a bunch of tabletop games that are on sale on Amazon. Uh, we're not on sale, but... We fit very nice in your shopping cart if you're already out there buying tabletop games. Mm. Holler at us. Go ahead and look up The Contender on Amazon. Uh, all right. This is your final spoiler warning because now we enter our new segment, Watch the Thrones. Watch. Here's the theme song. One song, one song only. All right. <laughs> Hey, we didn't just wing that or anything. It was all planned. Yeah. Completely uh, was in the books months ago, really. We just decided. Uh, yeah, to use no, it. we've been workshopping this for years. Yeah, it's been fine. All right. So, Game of Thrones, season six, episode one, uh, begins with a very ominous uh, howling and a camera shoot in the pitch black of what is now going to be the next 16 minutes of the episode. And I it bugged the hell out of me that nobody would turn on a freaking light or light a torch somewhere. It was too dark, <clears throat> too dark and black. I couldn't see a damn thing. Outside of that, it's Game of Thrones, baby. It's back. Let's kill a few people. Let's uh, let's get a let's freak everyone out at the end with an old lady. Let's let's go for it. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> here's the here's the most amazing thing about Game of Thrones right. and why I loved it so much. All right, is that there's we think of Game of Thrones in the abstract very often as one of the best shows on television. Yep. And I think we tend to just eliminate everything but some of the palace intrigue when we're actually just thinking about what the show is. And so we almost think of it as like a contemporary of like Downton Abbey or like almost this like kind of like, yeah, there's violence and there's sex. Right. But right. like it is kind of this this uh, 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 battle of wits and stuff like that. And then you you watch the show and especially this episode and you realize that like 
what makes the what what spices that stew so perfectly is like a bunch of meathead Dothraki people making <laughs> vagina hair jokes and like I banged your grandma, like uh, and and you know this very almost like who's on first uh you know moment when they get back to the the uh Kalisar, yeah uh, and and the call it was just like like okay so seeing a naked woman is among the top five things yeah uh that that you can uh that you can have in life which is just it, it's great and and uh kind of has the, those echo of the famous scene from conan uh the barbarian uh i loved it but yeah. listen we want to know again this is a call-in show yeah. call in with your thoughts we're gonna try and take as many calls as we can. Uh, as sport. fast as we can. Fast as we can. So just yeah, go ahead. Give us your take. And uh, and we will try to work in uh, everybody else. Any other big moments uh, that, that you very much enjoyed? 801-895-4724. Yes. Um, all right. So I'm very... There's a couple of things I really want to see through. And I know we're not going to get answers right away. Like, what's going on with Red Woman? And is she going to do something to get uh, Kit Harrington back in the saddle? Probably yeah. um, because he's in the credits, not just because he's laying there like a corpse, like there's something going on with Jon Snow and, and I don't know what it is, but I feel like they're going to they're going to spread that out as long as the season will take them. Yeah. Um, anxious to get up with Hodor and uh, Bran and th those guys. I assume Rickon's still around. I don't know. Uh, Rickon, yeah, Rickon is is uh, uh, I, I, I reckon he'll be back. Yeah. But of all of the things I, I saw, the, the stuff that like jumped out is, all right, what in this single episode has me the most intrigued? Two things. I want to know what the mountain in his current form is going to do. Uh, yeah. Uh, I love his Hulk. He will not speak again until all her enemies are dead. There's something really interesting and int intriguing about him and what's under that helmet and all that stuff. That's really an interesting uh, story for me. And also... Now that we've got Sansa back in the hands of uh, a freaking tall blondie lady, yeah, uh, and uh, they them making this commitment to each other, and you know Greyjoy just sort of there, that's really interesting where they go from here. Um, I don't know what that is, but every time she shows up, I get real excited uh, because uh, Brienne of Tarth is a badass and uh, pretty much does exactly what she says. She's one of the few characters in the show that has actual honor like actual follow through with what you say you're going to do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's really intriguing to me in that world of treachery, backstabbery and jerkery. So I'm really curious about what she does. All right. Caller, what's your thought? Hey, it's Buckeye 50 guys. Hey, I love the premiere, but uh, I'm ready for more brand. What about you guys? Oh, big time. See, the only problem with brand though, is he's like what uh, freaking 16 or 17 now or something. Like, yeah. But I think like, I think that's why they wanted to give us a year. Mm -hmm. where it's like we're, we're going to see him kind of uh, in the middle of his Dagobah training. <laughs> and uh, it's like, oh, man, no, stuff's changed, and maybe this has aged him. They might throw in some line where it's like, like, ah, you even appear older as you are now wiser. Hmm. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how they handle that. We've got another caller on the line. Who's this? Uh, yeah, team, it's uh, Skills Cat in the chat. Um my biggest thing, I've never read the books, by the way. I've only watched the series. But my thing is that, you know, it's all coming down to can they get together to fight the White Walkers or are they just going to keep killing each other until it's too late? And I can see a situation where the one person left who will not join with the others to, to push back this great threat from the north, which will destroy them all, is Daenerys. 
She just won't play the game. She won't get together with anybody else. She will be the queen, and that could like destroy the whole thing if she won't join in with the rest of them. Ah, so you, so you got a running theory that she's she ends up being the. Um, yeah, what do you think about this idea? She ends up she's the she's also the one that's sympathetic. She's the one that you want to see win. She's you know. She's also the one that has uh, three gigantic killing machines that can rain fire down on an and uh, on on an army of of uh, zombies from above. Yeah, and and be the only effective weapon against a bunch of undead. Yeah, ice people. Hey, what do we need for the ice people? Um, we need something that can melt uh, ram horns. You got anything? How about yeah. Jimmy, John, and Larry, the dragons? I They'll do it. I am the only aviation game in the world. I am I am uh, in control of that. But but no, I, I definitely think that that what this season I hope that this season gives us a lot of momentum. Like you've heard the the uh, uh, Beninoff and Weiss talk about how there might be two shortened seasons after this. Yeah. And I think that that hopefully is because this season gains some pretty crazy momentum toward our end game. Yeah. Uh, uh, in, in fact, I think what we're, what brand is going to give us is a lot of flashbacks mm. uh, that kind of explain uh, certain elements about the characters. I think that uh, Jon Snow is probably going to come back sooner rather than later. If I were to take a guess, if, I, if, if there were betting odds on whether or not he comes back in this episode, this next episode, I would probably bet on it. Oh, wow. I think there's a reason why they didn't give out any screeners to press people. Mm. Oh, is that uh, true? I didn't know that. They didn't do that? They didn't. Mm. Um, this is also, we're also in territory now that is not in the books. Uh, for, for No, really. The only thing that, that, that has happened in the books that hasn't happened in, in the show, and this isn't really even much of a spoiler, is that like the, the, the weather people of uh you know the, the citadel where the maesters are trained basically like declare it officially winter <laughs> that's like literally the last thing that happens right in in the in the most recent book yeah. and and that i think is probably something that is going to come up in this season where if, if people are wondering when will people start to take this seriously mm -hmm. that's probably one of the elements that kind of starts to move things in motion when now it's like okay we all fought as hard as we could now we need to all gird ourselves for the long winter so we can all live to fight again. I love that idea that it's like the Al rokered it and, and declared the, the weather as bad as it's going to be. Guys, guess what? It's freaking winter. It's finally here. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Who's this? Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Lathan. I'm calling from uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Hey, man. What's up? What's up? Well, I was calling because I wanted to talk about Arya Stark. I think that they're just now starting to really get into what she's doing. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Do you think she's got a caller? Let me ask you this. Do you think that blindness bit is permanent or are we going to have well, her come out? This is her great test and she's going to come out of it seeing again at some point. Well, in the books, they go a little bit further and they, she, she does do some testing while being blind. There's like a whole story that comes out of it. So I do think that it goes further, but it's much further than that. Mm -hmm. So what comes next? Yeah, who knows? It's all uh, it's all uh, just uh, George R. R. Martin's wet dream at this point. I, I will say this. Between this episode and the entire two-season run of Daredevil, I feel like we are giving blind people an unrealistic expectation <laughs> for their combat prowess. <laughs> like, it is, just, it is unreasonable to ask uh, an average blind person to just get hit by a stick seven times and all of a sudden know how to uh, defeat 17 ninjas. Yeah, that's going to... I'm not always a fan of that of blind man training. And I don't mean this in any way to say that 
you couldn't get a, a, a an able-bodied um you know sensory smart blind person who's real good at, at using all their other senses they couldn't figure out a way to kick my ass i'm not, i'm sure that yeah. that's true so i don't mean anything wrong wrong about that but i it's a, such a trope to go we're going to take this downtrodden failure who's now I blind and it. just hit him with a stick i love yeah. it like it's never really anything more than like just getting hit with a stick yeah figure it out i'm yeah. just gonna keep hitting you yeah i predict that girl dies this season the trainer lady i don't know uh, why uh, i mean who knows i mean they are they are the faceless men who knows who she really is no she uh, could uh, be a man even fact she could she be anything could, well they are faceless right yeah. they, they, they are they are now no one they are not anyone. Do you know? So, the, do you know what the the deal is with the religions and the thing, like the seven gods, the old and the new, and the and the the red fire god and all that? Are they? Is it is it assumed that there these exist in some way, and that they're not just uh, religions within the world, but actually functional gods? That so within within the the philosophy of the story, as best as I can understand. Uh, the red light or a lore with, with the red woman and uh, the the brothers without banners uh, are among was kind of an ancient mystic religion that kind of fell out of favor because it wasn't really ever politically powerful, but had this reputation for people with crazy powers. And then as magic sort of receded from the world, you just kind of had people that were still into it, but they would use parlor tricks to kind of augment what they were what they were doing okay. the old gods yeah. are derivative of basically the 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 people that are now dagobah training bran yeah <laughs> used to be far more prevalent in the north and there were even battles between the men the first men and the forest folk uh but that is their religion and they're like, they're like uh, they, they remind me of like elves they're like the the magic yeah, no, they're very right. derivative of, of, of kind of elven ideals, and that's where, like, the wear trees and everything, like, mm -hmm. it's a very uh, almost uh, a deistic sort of religion where like the idea is that the, uh, the, the power of the world is in these physical yeah, totems yeah. of God, sure, right? Sure, sure. Very, very dru druid-type Yeah, druidy, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then the seven, uh, the, 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 the seven gods are, are not necessarily, they are far more kind of, what we understand to be a philosophical religion mm -hmm. separated to this. So it's, it's, it's polytheistic, but it's not like no one's expecting for the mother or the crone to just, uh, you know, come down from heaven and, and smite somebody. Yeah. That'd be great though. Uh, caller you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Sam from the back button podcast. Also Sam from Chicago. Hey, Sam from Chicago. It's good to have you. What's, uh, what's your take, man? What do you think? So I have a problem with that kid who's in Castle Black. Mm. The entire time they had that whole speech scene and everybody was asking, oh, who killed Jon Snow? And there was a big riot. That kid just had, like, his mouth shut, but he had this, like, sly smile on his face the entire time. Yeah. And they kept cutting back to him over and over and over again. I don't like that kid. I think there's something that's going to be happening with him or some eventual story <laughs> part that's going to end up with that. Mm. Yes. Um, I'm just curious to know what your guys' take is on that. I, I didn't is, read the books, is, but I have a lot of friends from it. So sure, yeah. This is what's called in the wrestling industry building heat. <laughs> you can't just go have a, a character, even one that we like, decapitate a child, and and have them be happy about it. Yeah, right. So you have to make this kid 
Damien, mm-hmm. if at some point, either in the next episode or the episode after that, Davos, you know, swings his sword, and next thing you know, Ollie's precious little head is rolling around <laughs> Castle Black's floor, right? <laughs> Uh, Ollie. So that's what I think we were getting because they were they were very much trying to build animosity between the audience and Ollie. All right, then my prediction is that the Red Woman sacrifices Ollie, and he's it's somehow his sacrifice is the blood you need to get Jon Snow off his ass. That's what I think. See, that kid's yeah. gonna give up. He's gonna give up his life. Not you know he's not gonna offer it up freely. But there's gonna that kid's gonna get used in some way that is shocking and terrible, like they've been using kids lately for in the show. Like the daughter uh, of the king uh, being burnt because that was the sacrifice that the the god needed. Uh, you know they're they're willing to do this, so yeah. I think that you're not just going to have him fall off into the background or be disappointed and leave or even fight in a battle and die. I think he's going to go out bad. I mean, he's the one that triggered it, right? right. Like if if he tells Jon Snow, "Hey, there's a there's an attempt on your life," instead of "Hey." Uh, you need to come out here and see this. Then Jon Snow survives. Right. Um, do you, you think? Know, they, uh, do you think they ever get into the whole Jon Snow's mom thing? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. No, I think for sure. Okay. There, there is. Because that's happened in the books it already. Is, it is. It is been... known, Khaleesi, that there, uh, <laughs> there was a location. Yeah. That uh, describes a scene that many theorize is very, very, very pivotal to that idea. Okay, and there's a. Good chance you we could see Jon Snow thrown into that same, let's call it a body of water. Well, I think I think let's uh, uh, if, if we are to understand uh, what what is uh, what is happening, all the pieces are kind of in place in terms of uh, Bran is kind of uh, in a location where uh, flashbacks can naturally occur. Yeah. Uh, where the idea of uh, you know people's memories being implanted, confessions that they've made uh, can can be kind of recalled, uh, and those are elements that are kind of hinted at, if not shown explicitly in the book. We never see what happens in this one location that people theorize could be pivotal to the backstory of Jon Snow, mm-hmm. but this would be the time to do it if you are going to reveal what many people believe is a popular theory to his his parentage and you think we get resolution on him and what he's going to do this season sooner sooner than later meaning not not at the end of the season we have a miraculous john i think i think he comes back sooner rather than later okay normally screeners go to critics uh and they get five episodes right right I, i can understand having seen the first episode that hbo didn't want to send it to critics because it it does kind of feel like part one of a two part uh, debut, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it it feels like a two part season premiere in in a lot of ways. I would suspect that the back half of that yeah. involves major things with Jon Snow, mm. and I think that's why they didn't want to send just the first half of something and risk getting negative critical feedback. So the end of the show features Red Grandma. Yeah, uh, she takes off her. Is that makeup or is that an old lady? I think it's makeup on an old lady. I think there's a combination of things going on there. You don't think it, it's not the actress? There's something. No, I don't think it's her. I could be wrong. Someone surprise me. But the prosthetics. It, I don't know why you'd do that when you could just get an old lady to drop trow. You know, but here because I mean, you're not David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but but when she does that, I just have a question. Why? Yeah. 
why oh why does red grandma have to sleep in the raw can't you just put on some kind of apron or a freaking wear a coat i don't know something you don't need to show us your 900 year old nasty ass body that's awful. um well what we don't know is whether or not she is having a crisis of faith mm. uh we don't know if, if if this is and i think that it is supposed to at the very least hint at that that she probably doesn't take off her collar every night mm. uh that this is something that is is traumatic for her yeah. and maybe she is wondering whether or not she uh despite the fact that obviously her magic is real yeah uh that that maybe it, it's not functioning in the way it should or it is not as useful or she should not have dedicated herself to the cause and maybe for for all the horribleness that she has done including you know murdering a child yeah uh that that maybe she deserves what she has and she doesn't deserve to have the smooth supple body of the of 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 the the melisandre that we know yeah uh so i think that that's what we're getting as well as just a little understanding that part of the uh powers of the red light of relore are reversing the effects of aging yeah. which if you drag out with your toolbar yeah. you might understand as maybe the power to resurrect which we have already seen uh with uh beric dundarian and the uh, brothers without banners yes and another person who the show hasn't talked about but the books do i don't know if we can say her name can we well yes i mean and we'll you know uh, who also runs into beric dundarian and the and the brothers without borders yes but not in the show not in the show only in the books and yeah. so here okay sorry i said last question but here's actually the last one yeah do you think Let's say we get a similar job done to to Jon Snow as the one we're talking about from the book. Is he then also a one single-minded hellbent zombie type that is only after one thing and that's just pure the purity of revenge and that's it? Or is it a more nuanced approach do you think? Because that's all she is now. All she you is is just know what she's going to be in the show. Yeah, that's true. That's you know, true. we 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 know what she is in the books. Um and also there we have questions on exactly what her motivations are because we don't really see a lot of her yeah um <laughs> so yeah i i would suspect that john snow will be a different character mm. i would suspect that he is is uh that there might be a little bit of moral ambiguity where there wasn't any before yeah uh you know he was you know uh, for lack of a, 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 a less punny term, kind of pure as the driven snow when it comes to his moral compass. Sure. I, I predict I predict something that will happen, and, I, and I'm, I'm so sure of this that I'll take a second silly picture of myself if I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, the, wolf, the wolf will not recognize him and will growl at him. When he comes back and whether that gets resolved that's, no that that seems like uh that seems that seems like a, like a pretty safe uh it's a trolley it's, it's trolley a tropey bullshit right there but it'll happen i'm sure of it yeah i mean that, it makes sense yeah. you know uh the most loyal thing he has in his entire life will... but yeah i think especially since they've kind of teased this this ticking clock of like uh all right now this one dude went out to go get the wildlings yeah. uh you know, uh, Alistair, or not, it's not, no, it's not, it's uh, Thorn. The, um, my brain won't work. I can't remember his name. Yeah, no, no, means. yeah, no, it's Alistair Thorn. Uh, Thorn, now Lord Commander Thorn, yeah, uh, has given them, uh, you know, a specific time, 
So uh, unless they're going to string this out, like where you know, everything else will move in real time and Castle Black will move on, you know, 24 time where everything <laughs> will happen in 15 minute increments. Yeah. I think that that we are going to see whatever happens to Jon Snow happen while this this epic siege is taking place. All right. Well, it's getting it's uh, listen, the tone's right. It's it's Game of Thronesy as hell. It feels great. I'm in for another season. Uh, next week, we'll surely talk at least a bit about episode two. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and and by the way, uh, when you have thoughts, write them down, call them in. We yeah. have a good time. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and keep that number handy. Put it in your phone and just say, here, phone, don't lose this number. And what number am I talking about? 801-895-IRAGE. That's 801-895-4724. HotlineMonday at gmail.com. Like Justin said earlier, Scott Johnson and Justin are young on Twitter. I think that's going to do it for us. Thanks, you guys, for being here. This show has been great. We are loving it. We want to keep it rolling. We want to keep it rolling with you and only you. You are the people that make it happen. You're the blood of the vein. You are the fire that keeps the stew from uh, going bad. All right? So This keep- is why we don't write Game of Thrones. That's exactly right. Uh, so anyway, keep calling. Keep being a part of it. Uh, Justin, any anything else to end things on here? See you next week. Bye, everyone. show is part of the frog pants network get more at frogpants.com diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program <laughs>